turn to uh, Luke 8, and that'll be our foundation passage. And we got into this last week, and so we want to uh, go uh, a little bit further. Uh, Luke chapter 8, and so uh, we're looking at healing. We're looking at the promise that's all through the Word of God, especially emphasized in the four Gospels regarding the ministry of Jesus to heal, to work miracles of healing. And so uh, just to remind you, we understand that uh, 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 healing comes in different ways. We are not anti-doctor, anti-medication or anything like that. Uh, we believe that uh, God has given man dominion over the earth. We have incredible natural resources in this world and men uh, by the grace of God have been able to uh, uh, understand that. You know, you can get on an airplane today. We have electricity. We have air conditioning. All of that is uh, simply the uh, dominion that God has given man over the earth. Uh, uh, you know, I still believe that men are superior to the animals. Okay, I still believe it. There's still few of us left who, uh, who understand that. I don't see uh, dogs driving cars. I don't see uh, lobsters uh, uh, making computers. And so there's dominion, and that dominion extends to the area of health and fitness. And uh, anybody here has ever been hooked up to a contraption before uh, in the hospital? Uh, it's amazing what they, can, what they can do. I saw a picture the other day. Did you see this, this latest uh, technology for sonograms? With color pictures. I mean, you, you see a baby in the womb that looks as if you took it with your, your photo, with your phone. The technology is absolutely amazing. And so that's a wonderful thing. But what we're talking about is we're asking ourselves an honest question. And that is the Bible speaks so much about miracles of healing, instantaneous miracles. We went through the scripture, the immediately, the people who were prayed for and immediately were healed. And we say to ourselves, okay, are we supposed to just treat this as a fairy tale, a fable? Uh, are we supposed to uh, say to ourselves, well, you know, all the, uh, um, you know, uh, all that went away with the apostles and that's just another epoch of time doesn't really apply to you and I. Or are we supposed to say, you know what, God, where are all the miracles? We want to see this. We want this to be part of our lives. And, and that's the purpose of this Sunday school is that, okay, we're doing this and we're building faith to say this can happen. And as we begin to talk, if you've been coming, you realize it does happen and it happens in our midst. But, uh, well, you know, we're, we're, we are up against something. So what we have started to talk about is the issue of unbelief. And the reality that it's not as simple, uh, you saw those scriptures Tony just put up there. It's not as simple as just reading those scriptures and saying, okay, I believe it. But how many know there is a whole barrier of unbelief that you and I have to get past? And so that's what we got into. So let's look it up. Uh, uh, Mike, read Luke 8, 5 through 8. And, uh, and uh, we're going to uh, uh, get into this this morning and, uh, it, it, you know, it, it would really help us that as we begin to talk about it to, to for all of us to admit, you know what, there are pockets of unbelief that I have to, to deal with. Anybody here never have an issue with unbelief? I don't believe you. Amen. Because we all wrestle with that. 
because there is a side of this. So it's not as simple as just saying, oh, well, that's, you know, God said it. I believe it. That settles it. How many have ever seen that bumper sticker? Well, the truth is God said it. That settles it. But we have to deal with the issue of unbelief and it, 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 it rears its head when you begin to contend for this. And so go ahead and read that as we uh, begin again. Luke 8, 5 through 8. A sower went out to sow his seed. And as he sowed, some fell by the wayside, and it was trampled down, and the birds of the air devoured it. Some fell on rock, and as soon as it sprang up, it withered away because it lacked moisture. And some fell among thorns, and the thorns sprang up with it and choked it. But others fell on ground, fell on good ground, sprang up and yielded a crop a hundredfold. When he had said these things, he cried, he who has ears to hear, let him hear. So we used this verse last week and we focused in on the thorns that are there to choke out the word of God. The, 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 the seed is the word of God. It is powerful. It is life changing, uh, but it fails to take root. And, be, and bear fruit because the thorns have choked it. And so we went into the book of Genesis. We won't go there, but the Bible tells us that thorns and thistles or weeds are the product of the fall. Every time you see weeds, that is a reminder of the fall. It reminds you that God did not create the world this way. We all know that you don't have to plant weeds. You don't go down to Home Depot and buy a sack of weed seed and spread it there in between the cracks in the sidewalk or anything like that, that this is the natural course of things. If you do not maintain your lawn, you will not have a lawn. How many can say amen? And so this is the natural course. This is now the world that you and I live in. And weeds and thorns right here, obviously Jesus isn't referring to literal uh, plants. He's referring to unbelief. He's referring to those things that choke out faith, that choke out the word of God, that God can drop in a sincere word. We can open this book. We can study healing and miracles. And it is an absolute truth. And, and yet... The moment you and I begin to uh, uh, move into this arena, there is something in the fallen uh, nature of our hearts and a man that immediately wants to come and choke that out and say, no, that can't happen. I want you to uh, uh, find Pastor Mitchell's quote uh, again when he talks about the first time he prayed for the sick uh, in a crusade. Uh, and it says, we gather, here it is, very good. We gathered around 125 people. I preached the message God had given me, called for converts, and then for the sick. I prayed a mass prayer and no one was healed. In fact, no one even felt remotely better. This event did such a psych job on me that I did not again minister in a healing crusade for seven years. I know now it was an assault sent from hell to defeat the ministry God wanted to place in our fellowship. So here is a, a, a very insightful, I'm, I'm so glad that he includes this in his book on healing. I'm so glad that, that, you know, Pastor Mitchell doesn't come across like, what's wrong with you guys? But that there's a barrier of unbelief. There's something there that wants to choke out uh, this in, uh, in our lives. And, and immediately when you and I begin to press in for miracles, 
and press in, we have to expect this. Put the quote up from Ken Blue, the next one. It says, often in the past when I prayed for the sick in my role as a pastor, father or friend, most of those I prayed for did not get better and some even died. In fact, my best friend died virtually in my arms as I prayed as fervently as I could with all the faith I possessed. The Bible said yes to the church's healing ministry. My experience said no. I doubted myself had I read the Bible uh, correctly. Was it true that miracles ceased with the apostles? Was there something wrong with my faith? Was I not righteous enough to get my prayers answered? Okay, this is what we're talking about. We're talking about good men who are contending and want to see God move, but their thorns are there, choking and uh, uh, opposing. One more quote we used last week, but I, I want to get your mind locked in. One of my running arguments with God is that not enough people are healed to please me. His running argument with me is that I both fail to pray for them and fail to walk with them through their recovery. Healing is something I don't understand. I've seen enough to believe that it occurs and it's not always psychologically explainable. But I have also seen enough to know that the pop theologies which clobber the sheep for not having enough faith are inadequate. When Jesus walked on the earth, he healed the sick freely. In some places, he healed all the sick. Only occasionally did Jesus compliment outstanding faith. Yet he continued to heal. The only place he didn't do much healing was where disbelief was to measure attitude. And so, you know, here are people who move in the realm and are contending and yet are saying, hey, there are, there are battles here. There's a struggle that I am wrestling with unbelief. You know, uh, uh, have you ever noticed in the world that uh, every time a prominent preacher goes bad, a TV evangelist gets popped doing something, you know, this is uh, 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 headline news. How many of you ever read, uh, uh, you know, pastor remains faithful for 50 years? Pastor and wife still in love 50 years later. You know, how many know that doesn't make the headlines? But all of that is meant to feed into this idea that, uh, you know, don't believe. If you believe, you're duped. All that you're doing by believing is setting yourself up for disappointment. And we're constantly being reinforced with this. When I was a young convert in our, you know, in our early Christian days, uh, you know, me and my brothers uh, we're all, imagine a house full of young converts and we're excited for God. And, and so we started listening to Christian radio and all the different radio preachers. And then we started sending in, you know, and becoming their faith partners. And, you know, here, you know, we got to understand, we, we, I was, we were still teenagers. We lived at home. You know, we never got mail. The only mail that ever came with my name on it was from Tucson High. And it was to tell my parents I hadn't been showing up for school, you know. And there'd be one letter from me, Fred, her, and anyway, this, that we didn't get mail. And then all of a sudden we had saved and there are these stacks of mail from every radio and television ministry, you know, coming our way. Um, uh, there was one particular guy named Peter Popoff. Anybody here know who Peter Popoff is? I'm looking at, nobody knows. Well, good. I'm glad. And, uh, you know, because he would have these incredible things. He'd dream he'd go into heaven and, you know, and all this. And so you're young. Wow, he went to heaven, dude. You know, I think it was the, uh, some of the clouds of marijuana were still in our brain. But, uh, 
we were, we were fascinated by this guy. And I remember years ago, I think sometime back in the 90s, maybe it was the 80s, that Peter Popoff was doing a crusade and he had a little hearing aid and he's preached and it turned out some, uh, some investigative reporter, I guess had been tipped off and they had a device that could pick up uh, uh, communications. And so what it is, he had his wife in the back room and when people came in, they had them fill out special prayer cards or special needs. And they would get those cards and they would mark, you know, where they were sitting. And he would stand up and, you know, who's John? John's my husband that's sick in the hospital. You know, and, and, and like, wow, that's, and yeah, and they picked all the transmissions up. And so that stuff, I remember when that came out and it made it into popular uh, media. And, and, and so what does that do? Everybody says, oh, that's it. That's that, that, you know, it, it's all a scam. It's all a trick. And the, and the thorns are choking us. I mentioned to you last week that uh, when uh, our fellowship began to really take serious the ministry to pray for the sick and to pray for people with understanding and to believe God for miracles, uh, that when that happened, there was a pushback. It was not overt, it wasn't rebellion, it wasn't, you know, people denying that it's biblical or anything like that. But the immediate response was, what about Pastor Warner? And it was an amazing thing. It was like, what about Pastor Warner? That it, and this would come out, and I heard this in many, many places, and it was, and it was not kind of like, I, def, I don't believe in healing, I defy it, but it was more like this giant, how come? And I, when, when I, I mentioned this, you know, I was talking with Pastor Mitchell about this a few weeks ago when he was here and we were talking about this Sunday school and, and, and he, you know, and I brought that up and he remembered vividly how that was such a, a, a thing. But you look back all these years later, you know, 30 years down the road and you realize that it was, it was spiritual, that, that this was something in us that, that I didn't want to believe. Over the years, I have prayed for people or tried to pray for people whose response to me, sometimes emotionally, was I had a sick relative and was prayed for and they died. And, you know, you know you're, you're trying to be sensitive and compassionate and all that, but that experience has caused them to just, even the remote possibility that God, and it's like, don't even... Don't even go there. And so we're talking about a very, very real issue this morning. Okay, I'm gonna be, before I, I turn the corner here, anybody want to uh, contribute something right here? I see, I see Pam Glenna there. Anybody else here going once? Okay, Pam. Okay, Judy. Pam and then Judy. Um, when uh, Andrew was 10 years old, he had a malignant brain tumor. And we, at first, didn't know uh, what kind of a tumor it was, so Rick and I were praying and praying and praying that it would be benign and that would be the end of it. It would be a miracle or they'd get in there and there'd be no tumor. So when he went into surgery, I, um, sorry, I told God. Um, he, I remembered when we dedicated him and we prayed, I prayed, he is, 
yours. Um, and you'll do whatever you want. I will glorify you, whether he lives or whether he dies. And then we found out that it was malignant and it was a big blow. But I knew God would have a purpose through through it. And then I began to pray, God, I believe that you can heal him. I believe in healing, but help me with my unbelief. And I prayed that over and over and over because it seemed like I had faith when it all started. But then he, he did that. He gave me like this supernatural gift of faith. And so what do you think of of that, you know, whether he lives or dies, he's, he's yours. Well, um, you know, we're going to get right into that, Pam. And so, you know, this is the thing about making this Sunday school is that, you know, we're not just looking at theology here. This is human experience. We all come to that point where we're confronted with sickness and disease and, and all this in our own life and how, how do you and I approach it. I don't, I, you know, I'm, I'm actually going to start talking about that very topic right now. Okay, so I'll just set that aside, but, it, but it's absolutely true. So, uh, oh, Judy, why don't you go ahead here before we go further. Um, when my dad was, um, he was getting really sick. We didn't know what he had or, or anything, but um, I remember God was just dealing with me to, about him. So, um, Anyway, to make a long story short, uh, one of the pastors went and prayed for him in, in Lubbock. And, he, you know, he prayed over him and, and everything, you know, for healing and, and, um, and everything. But, you know, and the devil did. He, he's like, yeah, you know, God didn't heal him. But I, I was like, you know, I realized something that God's in control no matter what. And we just need to lean on him, you know. And, but the bottom line is he was saved and he gave his life to Jesus, and that was the main, main thing, you know, is that it's about salvation and, and to understand that no matter what, God's in control. Yeah, amen. Amen. And so, uh, you know, remember that death carries the spirit, folks. The Bible says it has a sting, and that sting is a reminder that we're dying, that we're mortal. You don't look the way you looked 20 years ago, and neither do I, all right? We are all going to die if the rapture doesn't happen. Even the people Jesus healed, guess what? They ended up dying. The people he raised from the dead, they died again, all right? I mean, this is the world that we live in, and because of it, there is this sense, there's this immediate lie that God failed us because that person died. So this is the culture, this is the world that we live in. And I believe that uh, this is a battle. I'm just gonna drop this little story in right here. Gilbert, can you get Matthew 13, 58 while I'm talking? And so um, I had to go to Denver on Friday night to, to do a, a men's discipleship class up there for the area. And uh, uh, the, the pastor, it's a long story, but I, he couldn't pick me up for the discipleship. And so he sent one of his pastors to pick me up. So here's a young man I, I've never met. And we're driving and it's 
quite a long drive and, you know, I'm catching up with him. And he says to me, he goes, my sister was living in San Antonio for a little while and her and her husband. And he said, and my, my brother-in-law, he says he's a big, strong, muscular guy. And he started dropping weight. I mean, dropping weight. The doctors were checking him. They couldn't figure out what was going on. But it, he, was, he had dropped an awful lot of weight. They feared it was cancer, but they couldn't locate it. They didn't know what was going on. And so she reached out to her brother, who was in the church there in Denver. And uh, they, they told them, look, you need to try uh, uh, the, the, the church. They wanted them to come here, but they lived way on the other end of town. But they said, they find one of these churches. And so they went to the door went in there this guy is about dropped like 80 pounds he's shriveling up he's basically dying comes in to be prayed for gets prayed for gets totally healed they move back they're just well, here they move back they're back in denver serving god living for god today the guy is totally healed by the power of god and so I'm saying, well, which church is it? I don't know. You know, what part of town? I can't remember. You know, and I, 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 said, there, I said, when I tell this story, I'm going to half the guys are going to claim it was their church, you know, and uh, we, don't, we, don't, we don't hear that story, right? And, you know, when I heard that, I stopped, I stepped back and I paused and I think, how many times that happens? We don't know it. You know, sometimes people come and tell me, or, you know, I remember you prayed for this situation 10, 15 years ago, or this person, they got healed. And, I, and I'm like, well, that's cool. I don't remember any of it. And, 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 and yet, at the same time, when we pray and somebody dies, it's like, that's fixed in our memory. So this is the world we live in. Gilbert, read that for us. And he did not many miracles there because of their unbelief. So we understand this is the battle, the unbelief. It is the struggle that we all wrestle with. Now, I want to talk to you about its insidious nature, though, for you and I, because uh, we're going to talk for a little bit about a theology of unbelief, a theology of unbelief. I should have put up a definition of theology, but it is simply a, a, a doctrinal argument, probably the best way to put it, not argument in the sense of debate, but just a doctrinal logic. We have a theology. We, you know, if you are a Christian and you believe in the rapture, well, there's a biblical logic to that, arriving at that conclusion about any Bible truth. That's what theology is. It just means the study of God. And there is a theology that can come with unbelief. In other words, it's one thing to, that, that uh, the world or that CNN or Facebook uh, is against healing. It's an entirely different thing when how you, how you understand God tells you God can't heal. That's an entirely different thing. When it is the, your act of faith that tells you, well, God can't heal or I don't believe in healing or I don't believe that God does those things because then you get caught stuck because you can want to pray for someone but in their mind they know it's like you know we pray for people for the baptism of the holy ghost i believe in the baptism of the holy ghost i believe that salvation and getting filled with the holy ghost are two separate experiences 
Okay, I believe that the evidence of being filled with the Holy Spirit is that you speak in tongues. There is a reason I believe that. I can make a biblical case for that. But yet I've prayed for people that have been taught tongues are of the devil or it's emotionalism. People that have been told that people that started speaking in tongues ended up naked in front of the Alamo and, and things like that. And so, uh, you know, their theology basically says God won't do this. God can't do this. And beware of people that try to pray for you for it. And so this is a real struggle. And, and when our belief system is the source of our own belief, it's very, very difficult. Listen to this quote. Pastor Mitchell uh, made this quote. He said, I have not always known this healing ministry except in an intellectual way because much of my Bible training was set against miracles and healing. So he went to Life Bible College, which is the Foursquare Bible College, began by Amy Semple McPherson, who was famous for praying for the sick. This lady evangelist would pray for the sick, had miracles. You'd go to Angela's Temple, a big church they built, and they had an area where they had crutches and wheelchairs and, and things that people left behind after getting healed. But by the time Pastor Mitchell comes along, about 20 years later, in the Bible college, they have uh, broken the whole thing down to the point where there's, they don't, nobody believes God anymore. I remember him telling a story here. Uh, he's used about uh, being in a, uh, a class that was about, I think, on miracles and all that. And he's, a, he's a student in class. And a professor walked by and yelled in the door, God doesn't do that anymore. So you, you, you see what happens is that when your belief system says to you, God can't do it, it can become a real struggle. Put the quote up here, the next quote. It says, the New Testament leaves no doubt about the church's authority over Satan, sin, and sickness. Yet the people of God today lack much of that assurance and power, partly because certain erroneous ideas have taken root in our thinking. So many times there's a way that you and I think about God and how we understand him or choose to understand him that then becomes a challenge for us to get past to believe God and to see that God can move and have his way. So let's, uh, Doris, uh, okay, let's go ahead. I, I guess we're provoking some inspiration. Doris and then David. I, I kind of think of, um, you know, the children of Israel, you know, how they dropped the torch basically. And, you know, they were told to remember, you know, when, when this altar was built here, when they crossed over and all this stuff, and then they forgot. And so their children forget all about it. And I think of kind of like, you know, World War II generation of the generations that, um, you know, we were raised, you know, God-fearing and all that and everything. And then there's a yuppie generation. It's a, you know, the generations that just forgot. They dropped the torch and all. And I think a lot of times how I look at it is the, the church world, we're separate. And we have to live in the world, but we're not of the world. And sometimes like we let the world you know, tell us what to do and everything. And we let that into our church and we let all that unbelief just kind of like just work its way in and realize like, no, there's power in this place. There's power in the people of God. We're called to bring it outside the four walls and yes. bring that power out there versus letting all that unbelief and all the turmoil of the world come into the church. Yes. Very good, Doris. That's a great thought. You know, it's true. We, we, uh, uh, you know, the old saying, 
the moment you stop influencing, you start being influenced. You know, you have people always ask about, well, about my old friends, how you got saved. When I got saved, I didn't cut off my old friends. I preached to all my old friends. And then at some point, I realized they didn't want to get saved, and we parted ways. Okay, I didn't keep them. I gave them a good shot, and, at the, and when I realized I was no longer going to be the one who influences, I couldn't keep hanging around them because they would start influencing me. And that's the tension, isn't it? If we're not out there preaching to them, they're inside here preaching to us. The old saying is a man was street preaching in Sodom and they told him, you don't really expect to change these people. He goes, I began to change them. I do it so they don't change me. And so uh, absolutely, that's a very good thought. David? Uh, this question is, is more geared towards, um, you said about you know belief, unbelief, and, and praying for people. I know that you know, we go, we pray for people, especially hospitals, and, and we tend to deal with people sometimes that are incoherent or, or have a background of unbelief. Um, right now, I, I'm kind of, you know, believing God for my mother. You know, I've, I've uh, recently had to go to the hospital, pray for her. She's, she's seen the miracles in our lives, and, 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 but yet dealing with family members, I guess the question is that... Um, when, you know they, they feed that unbelief and then you're 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 you're, you're, you're kind of opposing to that and you're uh, how do you i guess uh, and i'm sure there's it's, not, it's gonna, probably going to be like there's no way you just got to continue i know believing but you know we believe we pray we we, we fight that we, we 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 but you know it's like sometimes we have that in our mind, like, is it really getting through? Is is it really? Are, are we making? Are we making a difference? Are we are we talking about healing or salvation? Yeah, you know, healing. We're talking about you know praying for healing, believing God. I know I we can believe. I can believe. Well, whoever we we pray, but for the individual, I guess the question is is that there's not really much we can do for the individual other than than just kind of demonstrate and that you know you know what I'm gonna believe that you're gonna get healed even though you you can see me. Maybe you can't hear me. Maybe you can't speak. But, yeah. um, and that's what I do. I just yeah. kind of, I, I, I lay that out. Like, I'm going to believe and I'm going to demonstrate what God has done in my life. And, and, and if you can hear me and, and if you, you know, hope, I mean, I just want you, I'm not, that's all I can do is, is, so my question is, is that all we can do? Yeah. Right? I, I, you know, David, I think, uh, uh, you know, I can only say that I've been in situations like that with people, massive head injuries, gunshot wounds, you know what I mean, where they're in a coma, the family's all there, uh, and, you know, you're, you're trying to and you're doing what you can. Uh, I think in the end, we have to reconcile that with God. We can do our part. Now, I have been told, and there are people that have medical background here that will tell you that people that are in a coma can hear. They're, 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 they're just not tuned in. And so we, I believe we should operate by faith. I believe in speaking a sinner's prayer over them and, uh, and uh, you know, and, and doing all that. But there are times in life where we walk away from a situation and say, what can we do? We just put it in God's hands here. And then, you know, years later, stories come back to you, things you didn't realize that, that happened. You know what I mean? And so... We are operating in the realm of faith. We, you know, folks, we are living in a dark world. This is the fallen world. Got to remember that, okay? I always use the illustration of uh, the French resistance 
you know, Germany occupied France. They're the, they're the rulers, they're the dominion, they're in control. But there was a presence of people there that said, even though our liberty has been taken from us, we're going to do everything we can. We're the resistance. We're going to push back every way we can. And that's what we are in this life. Remember, we're mortal. We're going to die. That, that's part of the curse. Man wasn't created to die. Adam and Eve were not going to die. But that's the world we live in. But in this life, our job is to do everything we can to contend and believe. I don't think we should take the position, and I'm going to talk about this, of so just kind of saying, well, you know, they're going to die anyway. We're all going to die anyway. So we have to continue to fight and, and contend. And part of our belief isn't, do I believe when they get healed? Our belief is, even if they don't get healed, I still believe. My faith reaches beyond even the present moment. So... Um, Let's get into this because I want to talk to you about some uh, popular theologies. And as we talk about them, you're going to realize, wow, I, have, I kind of think that way a little bit. And you're going to realize how much is a part, it, it, it works in us and how that, those thorns and thistles, those weeds grow between the cracks. And so the first one is the idea of sanctification through sickness. Sanctification through sickness. And that is the idea, basically, that tr since tribulations make me better, then being sick is maybe a process of making me better. I mean, if we accept that getting laid off from my job and being off for three months and going through that trial and believing God and, and having come out the other end, wow, there's a greater glory on my life having faced this, tr this great trial and uh, and it, I, I grew through my, through my uh, perseverance and all that. And so what about, it, it couldn't sickness move the ball down the field a little bit for me spiritually? Maybe going through this has made me better. And, and so if that's true, then I'm, I'm, I'm praying for God to heal me. Is that kind of like getting a helicoptered out of? The situation, and I may be healed, but character-wise, I'm not going to be as strong as I could have been had I stayed sick. There are people who believe that sickness purifies the soul, builds character. And there are many Christians that think it's better to endure sickness than to get healed. Because having endured and remained faithful in sickness has caused them to get closer to God. And if they were seeking healing, it would almost be selfish and self-serving. I see this is what I'm talking about. These things sometimes run up against each other. Is it selfish and self-serving to say, I want to be healed? And so people take that and say, well, you know, let's just, you know, let's say you're going through some other trial and it's going to be prolonged and, and you just want to come and believe God for a miracle that just lifts the, the entire circumstance and just everything's good. And, 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 and but down in your heart, you realize, you know, no, I'm going to go through this and God's going to, but, but yet when it, then we take that, we apply it to sickness. And, and so it's like, well, is it wrong to even pray for a miracle? Is it self-serving just to, just to believe God? Maybe God wants me to man up and say, I'm just going to accept this 
bronchitis. Because at the end of it, I'm going to be a better Christian. Go ahead and put up this quote by Francis McNuss. It says, when we say that God sends sickness or asks us to endure it, we are creating for many people an image of God they must eventually reject. What human father or mother would choose cancer for their daughter to tame her pride? Those preachers or chaplains who try to comfort the sick by telling them to accept their illness as a blessing sent from God are giving immediate consolation, but at what ultimate cost? Anybody have anything right here? I see hands. I'm going to have to spread the wealth here. Sam, Mike, one more. Rael, okay. And uh, when it comes, yeah, I think you touched on it in the quote uh, that you just read. But uh, from what I understand, when people have this idea that somehow, uh, like the sanctification through sickness has somehow that makes them more spiritual or more holy by going through suffering. And it, and it seems to me like it's uh, kind of like a pseudo pride or, or not pseudo pride, pseudo humility. Like at the root of it is something pride as, as if uh, somehow because you've gone through things somehow that makes that gives you higher elevation or higher status with God or somehow makes you holy because you've gone through suffering that other people are not going through. Okay, so we have that idea that, you know, we understand that trials and tribulations work things out in our lives. We understand that. And that but that runs up against it when it comes to sickness because, um, uh, let me see how I can put this here. You know, uh, I'm going to use Pastor Warner since that's such an evident, uh, well-known, you know, that Pastor Warner, if you were to interview him, has has I mean I've been there many times when we've prayed for him he's contended uh, but having that not take place he said you know what doesn't gonna slow me down I'm just gonna do what God wants me to do and through the various things that his physical challenges it's it, of his life or just the trials of life have worked things for him but uh, never has there been well don't pray for me because this is good for me don't pray for me, this is good for me. I think that absolutely he would want a miracle like anybody else. And yet, to come to a point where you now say, no, praying for the sick is a cop-out. How many people here have ever met somebody that's post-tribulation, mid-tribulation rapture, and when you get to the bottom line with them, the real issue is you people who believe in a rapture are looking for an escape. And I say, absolutely. <laughs> well, we feel like the tribulation's going to show who the real Christians are. Well, the rapture is going to show who the real Christians are. <laughs> but this idea that somehow asking God to heal you is some sort of act of weakness. It's almost like they flip unbelief. That somehow that's unbelief to get, to get healed. And that if you're a real believer, by golly, you're just going to take it like a man. Who's next, Mike? I know uh, two years ago, I got hit pretty hard with the, with the sickness. I went to the doctors. They did an extensive blood work on me, and they couldn't figure out what was wrong with me. I lost about 
want to say 20, 25 yeah, pounds. I remember that. And towards the in the in the beginning, I was contending for healing. I was contending for healing, and then towards the end, I was just like, God, just get me through it. Just just give me the strength to get through it. I don't know what's gonna happen, but just give me the strength to get through it. And lo and lo and behold, I got healed. You know what I mean? I got healed. My sick my 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 health is fine. My wife got hit with shingles also, and it was the same thing. You know what I mean? Just just get us through it. Whatever it's going to take, just get us through it, God. If it's because of our unbelief or our faith, just stir it up. Stir us up. Stir us up in that unbelief and faith so that we can believe for others through, through the miracle that you're going to do in our lives. Just, just give us that faith and that healing and that, uh, I'm sorry, that belief that maybe we were not believing as much or didn't have as enough faith. Just, just give us that faith and that belief for others. The miracle that you're going to do in our lives that we're going to be able to pass that on to others. Yes. Amen. Amen. Very good. And Royale. Uh, when my uh, father diagnosed with cancer in 1986, and uh, I wasn't saved that time, and uh, of course I have, I'm a Catholic, but we still pray for, for him to get healed. And uh, for months and months I've been praying that he will be healed. And uh, we have the, uh, the uh, mindset through the old generation that it's just a part of life. And uh, that we all, sometimes we're going to check out in this world and everybody died. And I was broken. And I've been praying and I don't understand why... My dad uh, died at very young age, and uh, I was praying to this day until I got saved. You know, I it it walked me through through uh, my faith, and uh, you know I've been diagnosed at the same time with uh, high iron in my blood, and I I've had it since 1998 and it was it's been a it's been a been a battle with my faith and uh, I got iron overload for the many many years and uh, you know I've been praying for it that it's gonna go in level but uh, thank God it was you know on range right now and because through prayer and faith with my families, I've been through it, you know. And, uh, you know, you contain your faith that, you know, it's uh, sometimes just a way of life or selected healing by God. But then, you know, it has a battle in my mind that, uh, you know, I have to tell God, you know, you know, I know you're going to heal me or... Our brothers and sisters in church, and we see, we see them, they never get healed and they die. And that's a big question in my mind, you know. Yeah. yeah. No, the thing is, uh, it's kind of like I said, that, you know, that, that tends to be accented. And um, the other day, uh, I don't remember who was doing the prayer request, and three particular people we've been praying for with cancer came out cancer-free, healed by the power of God. But, but others do die. And so it's like we, we want this. It's one of the things that 
I remember people saying to me, well, if you really believe in healing, then go to the hospital and just get everybody to the hospital. You know, any more than Jesus did that. It's that we, we start from the position we live in a fallen world. Men are terminal, men will die. We know that everybody who's lived has died up to our generation. But that doesn't change the fact that we're still pressing in and demonstrating that God does do this, that he does heal. And what we don't want to do is because we say, well, since it doesn't happen often enough, then let's not do it. You know, and I, I mentioned uh, the other day, we have this boot camp, you know, and we've done this now. Thousands and thousands of kids have gone through it. Some of those kids haven't done well. Some of those kids are in prison. Some of those kids have died under sad circumstances. But then yet again, there's so many others that have done well. And our position can't be, well, if it's not all, we shouldn't do that. Because there are hundreds and hundreds and hundreds of kids that it changed their life. And so, therefore, we're going to continue to do it. Jesus said, seek, knock, ask. That's our role on this side. Pray. It's never not to do those things because we don't see the results always that we want to see. And that is what we, we, we have to challenge it. You know, I, I will say this because you, what you said in Pam's uh, comment also, and that is the difference for the Christian is that, you know, we fight and fight and fight to see somebody healed. And then at the very end, we say, praise God, man, they're totally healed now. They're raised from the dead. They've got a new body, a new house. And the sting of death has been taken from us. Okay, the grave has been swallowed in victory. And that our faith goes beyond death. We don't say, well, praise God, they're going to die. Let's just let them die because they'll go to heaven. On this side, we're called to heal the sick, raise the dead. But when they die, we're also called to say, uh, precious in the sight of the Lord are the death of his saints. And the promise that, you know what, the graves will open and those that have gone before us are going to meet us in the air. And, and all those promises work together. And so we don't, that's why our, our, uh, our uh, uh, memorial services are victory celebrations. This, I don't know, if, I'm sure some families of people that, have, that uh, have been associated with some of our brethren that have been sick and then died were saw, you know, all of us in the, in the hospitals praying for them for miracles and healing and then came to the memorial service and then here we are rejoicing because they're in heaven. It's like, well, wait a minute, what is it? It's both, that's what it is. And that is God on this side and God still on the other side. His power. Okay, I'm going to have to stop. I, I, I see all your hands, but we're going to pick this up next week. And I got to tell you that I was, um, uh, um, you know, thinking this, we're going to get into the weeds, literally in this particular part of the study. And I don't want for everybody to be like, oh man, you know. Uh, and so we got a testimony. Hallelujah. Every week. By the way, some of you said, oh, I had a miracle, but I haven't, you haven't written a testimony. I, you've got to write your testimony of healing. So if you have a miracle that, remember, the, the, the standard is either th to you or through you. That you participated in a miracle. And we define miracle as immediate healing. I really do need to, that. I've had, oh, I'm, I'm planning I'm going to get to it. So we're going to hear from Caleb. Where's Caleb at? I thought I saw you, Caleb. Okay, stand up, Caleb. Caleb had a great testimony that he sent me. And so... Just uh, tell us, uh, tell us uh, your uh, testimony. 
Uh, hi, my name's Caleb. So um, just a little bit of a backstory. Uh, at my high school, I, I go to Brennan. Um, I'm part of the JRTC program. And so we have like our own athletic teams and I'm part of the OT team, which is pretty much when you run in the woods, you have a map and you have a compass and you have to like navigate your way through the points. Um, so there was one particular competition we had. Uh, me and my team were running and my friend, uh, we'll call him Justin, he uh, tripped and twisted his ankle really bad. And um, he was expressing his anger in words not wise, one could say. Um, so we were, we were close to getting uh, the last few points and I said, um, I said, I know this will sound weird because you're not really religious or anything, but can I pray for you? And he looked at me and he's like, Sure. <laughs> um, and so I told, I, I told him, um, if you have any amount of faith in you, you have to believe that this is work and that God's going to make a, make a difference right now and he's going to heal you. And so he's like, whatever, man, just do your thing. And so um, usually when I, when I pray for healing, I'm with, with the group. Um, so this was the first time doing it by myself and I was really nervous. I had no idea what I was doing. So I I prayed with everything that I could think of, you know, hoping that God would um, heal him right there and then. And so, you know, when I finished my prayer, his eyes shot open. And uh, once again, he, to his uh, amazement and words uh, that I don't need is God's giving me vocabulary <laughs> to better express myself. Um, and so he's just looking at me, and he's like, what did you do to me? And I said, I, I did nothing, man. I'm just, I'm praying for you right now. God's, God's doing all this. And so it, it was really awesome because I, before I was praying to God, send me a sign that, that you want me to do something, that you need me to get involved somehow. And so I, that was it for me. And so, I mean, now I have a reputation that people come to me asking, like, can you um, pray for my, my friend or anything? And so, yeah. That's so what happened to him? Oh, he got healed. Yeah, I forgot okay. about that part. <laughs> yeah. All right. we, uh, we finished the competition in second place. So. so he got up and started running. Yeah, we started running All right. immediately That's afterwards. It. All right, very good. Praise God. Isn't that tremendous? Yeah, yeah. That, uh, you know, so here's a, a young, good old-fashioned sinner, amen, who speaks the language of sinners and uh, gets powerfully healed. I mean, he's there, and he gets up and, and finishes the race. Hallelujah. Immediately, immediately, and I, I, I read that I was so uh, blessed because there's a real degree of humility here. Okay, Caleb's not all right. Okay, here it is, you know, and he just let's just believe God. Let's just believe God. All the weeds, all the reasons not to happen, all the unbelief. Who are you? How can you? But God just steps in, and so that's what we don't want to do. Is not do it because of the weeds. To not just bring God down to touch. That young man will never forget that experience. Everybody there will, will remember that, that there's a God in heaven that can turn it just like that. Hallelujah. Okay, we're going to stop right here. We'll pick up uh, the service in a few minutes. Lord.